This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge their ongoing connection to land, waters and culture. Colonisation and genocide are ongoing processes that are still continuing to this day. Sovereignty was never ceded and this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hey there, welcome back to Ospol Snack Pod, the podcast that I swear to God is usually a weekly news roundup show where we talk about Australian news and politics from a kind of lefty comedic perspective. With memes. With memes. But this is another week where we're not doing exactly that. Uh, but before we tell you what we're doing, I'll let you know that my name is Zach Snack, and with me as always is my co-host. Hi, I'm Noon. Yeah, so normally we do, uh, you know... We do a roundup of the the week's news, uh, but this week we're doing something different because uh, we recently hit a patron goal over on Patreon. We said if we hit 75 patrons, that we were going to do a very special episode about a subject very close to Noon's heart. Noon, would you like to tell us about what this what we're going to do this week? Yeah, so um, I read a reasonable chunk of a book by Stuart Robert, the uh, federal liberal minister for government services and the NDIS. Um, uh, his The book is called In the Footsteps of Jesus, a chronological journey through the Gospels set in the geography, politics, people, power, culture, and history of the day. Uh, and that subtitle is so long, I didn't know how it ended until I got the hard copy. So anyway, <laughs> I, I've read as much of that book as I could stomach. Um, more, What kind of probably. percentage are we talking here? Uh, I would say like a third solid, like read all of it and then skimmed another quarter in some depth. I, I basically okay. skipped the middle bit. I did like the, the, the start of the Jesus story, yada, 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 crucifixion. Um, yeah, enough to do a book report. You read exactly. like a high school level, uh, a high school amount of the book. Yeah. yeah. And now we're going to give you the cliff notes so you don't have to read it for your assignment. Um, now this is partially inspired by another podcast that Noon really loves and that I have uh, started to learn to enjoy as well <laughs> called the Poker Pals, where to, they describe the podcast as their like tagline is a show where two non-believers go through the Bible and try not to be dicks about it. And what I like about that is that, you know, they're, they're kind of analyzing the Bible as, as kind of like a text, mm. um, and they talk about the historical context and there's a lot of etymology in there and they talk about how the stories in the in the Christian Bible developed and it's very fun and interesting. Uh, but they kind of have a central point there that they're not there to make fun of anybody's faith or mm, beliefs. Absolutely. They're there, you know, which is not to say they don't make jokes about the text and stuff. Mm. But likewise, I would hope that we are he not here to try and be dicks about Christianity. We're not trying to do some big brain centrist Christopher Dawkins style shit. Richard Dawkins. Richard Hitchens. Dawkins. Yeah, not, neither Hitchens. of them though. So it's neither of those. Yeah, yeah, so they've yeah. amalgamated into one, um, one Edgy, big, really big brain. 12 year old, yeah. Um, in yeah. my head. Um, yeah, we are, you know, a podcast that makes fun of Australian politicians. That's what we're here to do. Yes. Uh, so that's more the spirit in which we're hoping to approach this. So I just wanted to, to say that up top. Also, Shoutouts to Eileen Skills, who was the one who told us that this book existed. So thank you. And also my apologies to Luca, who um, signed up specifically to get us over the line for the 75 patrons. And I discovered literally today, the day that we're recording this, that um, they thought it was a different book, also called In the Footsteps of Jesus by someone else. So <laughs> sorry, uh, but I hope you enjoy wow. this anyway. I wonder how many books would that... Title There's at least there. four that I found without looking right. very hard. Yeah. So I imagine very few with nearly as long a subtitle mm, as this mm. one. So um, as you said, Zach, we're, we're, we're trying to make fun of a, a Australian politician here. And I, you're going to give us a bit of a rundown on who Stuart Robert is from the Ozpol slash meme perspective. I just wanted to, you know, catch the uh, the listeners up to speed by saying, uh, reading this little piece from the author profile at the back of the book. He's married to his beautiful wife, Chantelle, and has three sons. He loves four-wheel driving with his family, paragliding, learning Chinese, playing the piano, and serving in his local church. He was also a soldier. Yeah, he was a military man. But, yeah, we know him as 
the minister for government services for the most part uh, and the uh, minister in charge of the NDIS as well. So, uh, yeah, before we get stuck into the footsteps of Jesus, I thought I'd just give anybody whose memory was a little foggy on who exactly Stuart Robert was a bit of a rundown of his greatest hits Mm, over the last few years. So as Minister for Government Services, you know, he's obviously a liberal uh, and probably the most important thing that he has been responsible for is the robo-debt scheme, uh, which, as we know, was a complete fucking disaster. Uh, there were people that uh, died by suicide after receiving robo-debt notices, uh, not to mention the sort of untold hmm. psychological harm that was done by people receiving these completely false debt notifications from Centrelink. Um, and that scheme was later found to have been illegal, essentially. The way that they were calculating the debts was illegal. Um, and Stuart Robert was the Minister for Human Services when the RoboDebt scheme was introduced, and he was the minister when it was revealed uh, that they, the government had been told that, in fact, it was illegal. Uh, and he refused to apologize uh, for anything that happened to anyone as a result of RoboDebt. Um, and he also said, yeah, we're still going to go ahead and try to collect as many debts as we can. We're yeah. just going to calculate those debts in a less illegal way going forward. Um, so all this is by way of saying this guy is a real piece of shit. And mm-hmm. he's one mm-hmm. of the kind of... Uh, he's definitely one of the major architects of misery in the Liberal Party at the moment. Uh, and I think that's very important context, considering we're about to do um, roughly an hour's worth of ripping into him. Um, one of the things that really shits me about the robo debt stuff mm. is that Robert paints himself as this kind of good Christian, right? Totally. And robo debt is all about basically doing the least Christian thing you can possibly do, which like is extorting fuck money the out poor. of the poorest people in the country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that I've learned listening to a few episodes of Apocrypals mm. is that Jesus would have hated that shit. Mm. And, uh, in fact, uh, would have told Stuart Robert to, uh, give away all of his internet data instead of spending $38,000, instead of charging the, uh, Australian taxpayer $38,000 mm-hmm. on his internet bill over two years, which he did. Which is really impressive. Uh, I'm not sure what I could spend that much money on downloading. Like, I guess I could just pirate every AAA game that came out, but, like, I wouldn't play them? Anyway, I don't know. What What is he... Anyway. Who knows what the fuck he was downloading, but he did, yeah, he, he racked up $38,000 in internet bills over, over about two years and, like, tried to expense them. And then when he got outed, he eventually had to pay it back. But that was Very definitely funny. one of the funniest expense scandals Um in uh, in living Australian political memory, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and the other fun thing that he did recently was earlier this year f- falsely claimed that the Centrelink website had been the victim of a denial of service cyber attack because uh-huh. um, <laughs> it was right. It was when uh, they had just introduced the job seeker and job keep- job keeper payments, which. Uh, almost 100,000 new people were going to get onto at the beginning of the coronavirus crisis. And the Centrelink website went down, shocking nobody except Stuart Robin. (laughs) He was like, it must have been terrorists. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, And then basically after everybody (laughs) very quickly was like, this is clearly just a website crashing because of demand. People logged on, yeah. Yes, yes. Well, now that people have pointed it out, it's clear that I uh, was wrong about that. I think he used the literal phrase, my bad. Yes, um, he did. Which, That's right. I remember that. Yeah. Mm. Which could be fairly applied to basically everything that he's done in mm, politics. Mm. Um, the, there was a quote that I, I wanted to read before we get into the book, but I feel like it's mm. appropriate here. It was in the, uh, the preface. Um, Please note that if there are errors, they are mine and mine alone. And yes, I, I agree. Uh, oh, well, in that spirit, why don't we jump in? Sure. So, okay, The Footsteps of Jesus. Um, it's one of uh, several books that he's written, including Hope, The Watoto Journey, about a uh, very suspicious Christian missionary nonprofit that he established in Uganda slash Australia. Um, yeah, on, on his Wikipedia page, there's several, like, it mentions that he's, like, involved in this uh, enormous 
charity organization that's supposed to be helping Ugandan orphans, but there's mm. a lot of citation needed. And when there is a source cited, it's his it's... own website, which is robert.com.au for anybody who's interested in uh, checking it out. Um, congrats which... on getting the domain, Robert. Which reminds me, uh, it's really annoying that he has two first names and that the second one isn't a plural. Uh, like that it's throwing it, me off. He a needs lot. to yeah. be Stuart Roberts. Um, so if I do yes. call him that, know that it's out of laziness and spite. Uh, yeah. So he did another book called "The Trail of Lieutenant General Hiroshi Tamura: A Question of Command Responsibility," which appears <laughs> to be about a war criminal in World War II. Um, uh, yeah. So. Yes. He said, please note if there are errors, they're mine and mine alone. And I, I want to agree, if there are errors, they're all Stuart Roberts's. I am obviously an impeccable Bible scholar with no holes in my knowledge about this subject matter. Yeah. Uh, he also yeah, said it was, we're here. He said it was not intended as an academic treatise, which is good, because it wasn't. Um, the book <laughs> is self-published, and as a friend, confidant, and member of my inner sanctum uh, and friend of the show, Mac said, you know it's bad when the Christian publishers won't print it. Um, and we paid for the book out of the Patreon money and it was printed specifically for us, right? It was, it was printed at the like publisher and then posted to us. There's no stock, no bookshops buy it. No one buys it. I did email him asking how many, and tweet him asking how many copies that he sold, but he did not reply before the, uh, you know this story went to air yeah um there's which one is rude because on you know that he's on his phone 24 hours a day streaming 4k video yeah. directly to his device <laughs> and because it's self-published i know he's got it down to the last one like he knows the exact <laughs> number anyway yeah um yeah so there's one review on amazon uh called a great touch of humor help bring the life of jesus to life Excellent devotional with some great background information on the setting of each discourse and miracle of Jesus. I like the format of the book and chapters, easy to follow, not cumbersome with too much information. He took great pains to lay the order of events out as best as anyone can. I truly love his satirical sense of humor, just enough to add a little seasoning to a devotional read. Ooh, and look, just honestly, a sprinkling of that classic Robert Wit that we all know and love. To, look, to be honest. This review is not far off. I feel like this person is like has got my review, but added fifty percent to it. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I I would give him a B for concept, an A for effort, and somewhere between a D minus or fail for execution. <laughs> I that sounds generous to me. An A for effort. I mean, I guess he wrote the book and self published it. He's out there bootstrapping it as an independent content producer, just like us. For real. So. I guess, you know, solidarity with a f fellow indie <laughs> producer? Indie publisher, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. Look, it says on Stuart Robert on the front. He should have been able to get a Christian publisher to go for it. But anyway, yeah, so <laughs> so the, the concept for which I give a B is that he arranges every verse of the four Gospels in chronological order uh, of the narrative, right? right? Um, and then explains sure. what's going on in between. And honestly, I think it's a pretty good idea because Bible is hard to read. Um, though the Christian Bible does tend to be significantly easier than the Old Testament, but anyway, um, mm. but yeah, arranging it in order makes it so much easier to follow. And because like, um, the Gospels are quite fragmentary, and they seem to like be copied. Some of them are copied from one another, and re reading them sort of sequentially, you, you it's a bit confusing. Um, and yeah, because so there's overlap, but then there's sections that like a lot of what we know about, like a lot of the famous stories about Jesus will appear only in one of the four Gospels. Yes. Uh, and, like, the, I think, which is the first Gospel? Is it Matthew? Yeah, Ma Matthew's the one Matthew that doesn't... then... Uh, no, sorry. I think it's Mark, and then Luke and Matthew copy from Mark. This Well, those three are the considered Synop the synoptic Gospels, which means yeah. that they all kind of, like, tell the same story, and then John is separate. But... Well, it's not... Sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 yeah, not, not separate, but... Uh, isn't part of those, but that uh, in the, whichever the first gospel is, I can't remember, you know, whether it's Matthew or Mark, um, doesn't include the nativity, like mm. doesn't include the birth of Jesus, doesn't have yeah. the story about the manger. Um, and yeah, that was kind of mind blowing to me. Like that there's, there actually is sort of a lot of room for interpretation. If you're talking about how would these stories actually written and developed? Mm. Um, so like what he's doing is something probably not far, with, like what Stuart Robert is trying to do with this book sounds like it's not far off 
what like Apocrypals is trying to do. Totally, that's a really which good point. Which is basically take like a historiological perspective to a certain extent with... Is that not, not That's so much? definitely not what he's doing. No, he's, he's <laughs> not an academic treatise, absolutely meant to be theological slash spiritual okay, or okay, devotional. Okay, sure. He, like, okay. tries to use facts and mostly fails miserably. Uh, but, like, no, I think you're right about making it, like, accessible and, like, uh, kind yeah. of, like, teasing out the, the story part of it rather than the, like, obscure language or whatever. So, yeah. Sure. Totes. Uh, yeah, eighth effort, as you said, he did it. He wrote a book and published it. He something that neither you or I have never ever done. No, solid job. Uh, yeah, and D or fail for execution. And the main reason for this is that the Honorable Stuart Roberts MP is a terrible author, like a Stuart atrociously Robert. bad Stuart Robert. Yes, thank you. Uh, I don't know if you were there for this particular incident, but there was a guy that we went to school with uh, named Clive, who I don't mean to put on blast, but I doubt is listening to the show. <laughs> oh shit. Who, uh, we were in the same English class in like year 11 and we did this like creative writing thing. And he like minutes before it was due in, he was like, can you read my note and give me feedback? And there was this constant That's issue. Classic Clive. It is. But he said he would use a verb and then an adverb together. So like he inquired inquisitively or um, like r- repeating the same basic thing like that. And it's I, not- I was there in the room right, when right. this happened, listener. And uh, let me tell you, Noon was not gentle with Clive or his writing. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. I don't remember how I followed that up, but yeah. Sorry, Clive. Uh, you pretty we much told him it was unacceptable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He would have found out sooner or later, but yeah. Uh, Better before he got marked, I guess. Yeah. Mm. And look, this yeah, Stuart Robert, not quite that bad, but it's pretty close. Um, and part of that is that, like, I feel like his excitement about Jesus is just, like, overwhelming to the point that he no longer, like, produces useful sentences. Um, and so this is the first sentence of chapter one. There has never been a time when Jesus has not been with God the Father in the third person of the Godhead, the person of the Holy Spirit. Which, like, is a fairly straightforward christian theological claim but also like not necessarily where you need to be starting chapter one with with this like long run-on sentence about it um, yeah i was you read it as if there was no punctuation in there so there I'm is not there was none yes. okay yeah. yeah yeah uh here's another one with no uh punctuation and this is uh well you'll find out when it is that this is happening but he's been like leading up to this moment for a chapter Time is miraculously and powerfully split as Jesus is born, then time goes silent as Jesus grows up. Again, no punctuation. What do you think time goes silent means? So oh, between, so between, he's saying time goes silent between Jesus' birth and when he starts his ministry? Yes, exactly. Time goes silent. And like, I, I don't know if that means that, that the, we have no information have about any... it. Yeah, 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 the Gospels have very little info about Jesus' teen years. And actually, I'll get to this, but this is, uh, that's something I like about Stuart Robert, which there's a, a few things about this book that I like, which I will get to. But uh, yeah, that he kind of like teases out some of what Jesus' childhood might have been like. Anyway, uh, another bit of bad writing is t- uh, uh, um, talking about the Trinity again. Then they created us. That's right. They created this world and all that's in it. And he does a lot of that uh, kind of thing of like, and then Abraham and Isaac were there. Yes, the same Abraham and Isaac and the genealogy of both earthly parents of Jesus. It's like, bro, we get it. They're Bible characters. There's no other Abraham that we might have thought that might have been, <laughs> actually. You didn't need to clarify. That is very funny. It's just people kind of like, it's that experience of like not being invested in religion at all and mm. having someone whose entire life is about religion, uh, like at least superficially, being mm. like, aren't you excited about the fact that Jesus died for your sins? And it's like, I appreciate that you are, but you understand that it's actually not. doesn't like, feel that way to me or whatever. Just, yeah. It doesn't actually, <laughs> it doesn't mean a whole lot to me personally. Mm. Oh. Um, uh, Stuart Robert talks about Satan a lot, which is uh, interestingly something not that it doesn't come up in the Bible that much. Satan generally, uh, there's a bunch yeah. of revelation and there's one or two name checks. Uh, but like, Mostly yeah, that was interesting. In, yeah, interesting to learn that that it's mostly like, yeah, it's a like most of the stories about Satan are apocryphal mm, in the sense that mm. they're not like biblical canon. Yeah, 
Um, but there's this bit where he's being like, uh, um, Jesus was cool and stuff. And then he's like, the devil didn't <laughs> quite get that. In fact, he didn't quite get a lot of things, which is why as a fallen angel, he is the devil. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, strong Clive vibes. I, uh, I feel like I, we're roasting Clive a bit much. Strong Clive circa 2008 vibes. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, and shouts to Clive for generally being a cool guy. Yeah, he yeah. Told he told me that my year 12 drama performance made reminded him of Matt Damon. And, um, nice. You know, some people might consider that a compliment. Yeah. Uh, we hung out and he schooled me at chess, both literally and figuratively. Yeah. He, he was a chess genius. He's a chess tutor. That's what he does. Anyway, this is enough about Clive. This is another Clive podcast. <laughs> he is a terrible author. Yeah. And he also gets a lot of shit. Sorry, not Clive. Stuart Robert Stuart gets a Robert. lot of shit fairly wrong or entirely wrong. Um, and so there's one, uh, that, yeah, this is a mild wrong, but, um, so he says, indeed, one of the four gospels, that of Luke was written for his benefactor Theophilus so that he would know the certainty of what he had been taught. And have you got up Ooh. to Theophilus? Yeah, I in, think, uh, I think yeah, even yeah. I, heathen that I am, mm, mm. think I can tell you why this, that's wrong. Hit me. Is yeah. that it's uh, like that it was misinterpreted for a long time that. Luke was writing to an actual person called Theophilus, but the translation of Theophilus, the Greek word, is actually some closer to something like lover of God. Yeah. And so, in fact, the letter is just addressed to people who love God in general. It's like an open letter. It's not him writing a letter totally to someone specifically. Yes. It's him writing something to be read out in public squares because most people can't read. It's like, hey, the devoted... Here's some yeah, stuff yeah. I have to say about God. Or it's like uh, one of my favorite Ozpol uh, radio shows, Late Night Live. He, he uh, was the guy, who, the host, um, refers to his listeners as Gladys, as in Gladys, plural of Gladys. And so he says, so Gladys, or whatever, into the mic. And it's like the listener's like, oh, he's talking to me. It's the same with Theophilus. Uh, it's like Luke being like, hey, the girl reading this. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's something that he gets like, you know, that's an interpretation, whatever. But he gets some really huge and basic shit wrong. So, for example, completely wrong dates. Um, he claimed that some Roman general who was never emperor was emperor, when in fact that the current emperor of the time was like Julius Caesar, the first emperor, uh, which I didn't actually know that he was the emperor at the time of Jesus' birth, uh, which is interesting, just like a coincidence, I guess. Um, that is interesting. A lot of history happening uh, around that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, around circa 4 BC. Yeah, um, so, You know, it's like when we do the podcast every week, we're like, you know what, man? This week, there was just too much damn news. <laughs> People like... <laughs> In 4 BC, being like, yeah. yeah. Oh, did you hear what Herod's chief steward said to the... Oh my god, <laughs> I've really just gotten through listening about Brutus and Caesar and that whole mess. Oh my goodness. And as for the Bali scandal. Yeah. Um, uh, another one that uh, I enjoyed his failure to explain why Jerusalem is important, um, which he starts <laughs> off, he's like, I'm going to tell you why Jerusalem is important. And then he kind of goes and he's like, well, it's sort of mentioned a bunch. Um, <laughs> and the, the closest that he gets to actually explaining why it's important is the theory that the binding of Isaac happened on like uh, a mountain there. Do you know about the binding of Isaac? No. Uh, it's an Old Testament story. Abraham and Isaac. Abraham has a son. Uh, God comes down and is like, hey, Abraham, go sacrifice Isaac. So he takes him to yeah. a mountain and he's about to do it. And then he doesn't and it's a miracle. Uh, and yes. apparently that was Jerusalem. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I really don't want to go off on a tangent, but where does binding come into it? He tied him up because he was about to murder him. Uh, oh, okay, he tied okay. him like up sacrificially. Yeah, and then an angel came down and says, "Abraham, Abraham." And it's important that the angel says it twice because Abraham was like so devoted to God, about to murder his son, that he was like had to get a second time. Anyway, whatever. This is, a, the, this is an Old God Testament. Was so, he was always on that kind of shit. Be like, it's true. Go. Hey, hey, if you love me, <laughs> kill your son. Kill your son, bro. Hey, what you do? What the fuck? Pulls out a hey. You thought I was fucking serious? Okay, sorry. We we weren't. We said we weren't going to make fun of the Bible, but come on. That Old Testament God is. I think most people can acknowledge it. He was a little like you know. He was a little temperamental. He could be temperamental. Yeah. 
my favorite personal theory about why Jerusalem is important, which it seems kind of like basic, I guess, but like when God created the world, <laughs> that was the first bit that he made. It was this rock. And that's the rock. That's the rock of the Dome of the Rock. Uh, if you know what the Dome of the Rock is, it's like a, a Muslim shrine next to a mosque on top of the where the temple once was. Uh, and apparently the rock in the Dome of the Rock, which you can build in Age of Empires. That's probably how you know it. Um <laughs> Uh, apparently has Muhammad's beard hairs and footprints on it, uh, because that's where he, like, kicked off the earth to go into heaven and, I guess, had a shape oh. or something. Yeah. So, so, so where is it that you can see Jesus's footprints? Is that in Rome somewhere? Just on the front cover of this book, Zach, oh, which I'm holding up you. to the microphone for You can't listeners. actually see the the footprints just on the front cover. Feet. You can just see yeah. Jesus's feet. Yeah. 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 Uh, my personal theory for why... Jerusalem is important is that the Torah was all written in political contexts where the person was writing in favor of the king of Jerusalem, basically. Uh, so they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is our city. It's really holy. We've got a real holy city here. But that said, there's this really interesting thing called Jerusalem syndrome. Uh, and Zach, uh, I've put a wiki link. I don't know if you're in the notes. I can send it. I'm not, but I let me, let me hop in there. Um, Jerusalem syndrome. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, a whole bunch of things that are basically like people get some kind of mental disorder when they arrive in Jerusalem. And you see that picture there. I know that guy. I No. I met him. I talked with him. I saw his wide collection of parking tickets because he always sits in exactly this spot with his motorbike telling people he's the Messiah and that three angels visit him every day who bring him the three gifts of sushi, wine, and pastries. Um, and his friend hangs out okay. with him and we talked to him and they were like, do you believe this? And he was like, no, but we went to school together. We hang out. I just come and like hang out with him while he's here sometimes and sometimes we go get dinner afterwards or whatever. Uh, yeah, so... Jerusalem syndrome. This, so, th this guy is the cover image for Jerusalem syndrome on Wikipedia. Sorry, I didn't explain that. I was very excited yeah, the, and just let straight it's in. The, the image at the top of the article, it says, man who claims to be a messiah in Tel Aviv in 2010, which is... The year I was I'm there. I'm not mistaken, so it, the exact year you were there. There's one foot in that photo that could be my foot. But uh, anyway, that's uh, <laughs> that's going deep. Uh, there's So... Another thing that made this book almost excruciatingly unreadable was <laughs> the constant low-grade anti-Semitism. Uh, and it's a lot oh, of what I would call, like, triple brackets anti-Semitism. It's not yeah, like okay. the Jews are bad and they, uh, you know, should repent or whatever. Uh, but see if you can hear the triple brackets in these quotes from me. Uh, listeners, I assume many of you know about triple brackets, but it's like a Nazi thing that they, on online, they put three brackets around the names of Jewish people so that everyone, like, knows that they're Jewish or whatever. Uh, and it's just become, like, a generic dog whistle. But, okay, so here's, yeah. It's a book of two covenants, the old and the new. One that leads to death and one that leads to life. <laughs> okay? Uh, how the religious elite missed the birth of Jesus is beyond me. And he says that one a couple of times. He's like, they were right there when he said he was the Messiah. How did they not realize, how did they not realize he was the Messiah? Um, here's another one. If you think you know best and you use people and care for things, as was their custom. Yeah. And uh, I just want to get you to read yikes. this one out, uh, if you wouldn't mind, Zach. All right, so the quote reads, One of four western gates, the gate of Coponius, named after the first pro procurator, was the main gate from the west. It was, apparently de it, was de it was apparently decorated by Herod, with the golden eagle as a sign that the temple had been placed under the protection of Rome. Read the word protection more as occupation. The Romans and or Herod clearly had a sense of humor. So this is just after the Romans have come and sacked the temple and destroyed this like Jewish holy site and have put up the Roman eagle on it to be like, this is our fucking temple, guys. But they clearly had a sense of humor. Um, That's fucked, man. Yeah, for real. That's, that, Stewie, what are you doing? Bro. You cooked unit. Yeah. Oh, we, uh, <laughs> we can all appreciate the sense of humor of these genocidal maniacs. Uh, Herod, everyone's favorite historical figure. Favorite jokester. <laughs> uh, okay, so with all of that said, 
we're like halfway into this episode at least there are a couple of things that i enjoyed about this book which is why it's not a straight and total absolute f one quite nice about mary magdalene which i like there's the occasional hilarious if always deeply daggy joke uh and so this is actually a great example of how he ruins something quite fun which i imagine you'll cringe at it's definitely cringe it's boomer humor but fine you know it's still entertaining uh but he ruins it with his love for jesus so yeah would would you mind reading this out zach okay yes sure sure. where, where are we all right it's the next photo yeah What is fascinating is that Jesus turned the six stone jars full of water into the highest quality wine. These stone jars contained water for ceremonial washing. So Jesus effectively created between 444 and 666 litres of superior host-stunning wine. Read that as Australian Penfolds Grage, the finest red Shiraz in the world. (laughs) Yes, I'm an Australian author with a heavy bias to Australian produce and wine, and I won't hear another word about my scriptural interpretation that Jesus turned Galilean water into Australian red wine. (sighs) Apart from a prophetic portent of how great Australian wine is, my God, he's still going. It would appear to be far more wine than any of the guests could consume in the last day or two of the feast. This is overabundance, unmerited favour, more than enough. A powerful symbol of grace being ushered in by Jesus. Uh, yeah. Oh, there's more. There, there is uh, more, which is just more of the same. It's like, and the waiter, can you imagine when he got that wine out? He would have been like, oh my God. Uh, I think the miracle would also have made a strong impression on Jesus' new disciples, teaching them from the start that he is indeed the son of Jehovah Jireh, their provider. Now, Jehovah Jireh is not a name of God. It's a name of a place. It means the Lord has seen. Uh, and it's it's pronounced Jireh, in fact, Jehovah Jireh. But whatever, there's, he's a Christian. That's fine. Uh, yeah, so... Not the son of Jehovah Jireh, in fact, but that's fine. Just the thing that always gets me about this, and I actually recently listened to the Apocrypals episode where they discuss the water into wine, which yep. again only happens in John. It's not mm. present in the other Gospels. It's one of those things that you know everybody's like, Jesus, water into wine. And it's like, well, actually, that only happened in one quarter of the books that are about Jesus uh, that <laughs> all cover technically the same portion of his life. Yeah. My point is that you know there's kind of all this discussion about, well, you know. He turned it into he turned it into wine, but not just any wine. It was like really, really, really good wine, like the best wine. And it's like totally that God is not going to do like he's not going to turn something into wine and then have it be shit wine. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just just I'm, like I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, it's a great point. <laughs> I'm just very un, I'm just very unsurprised. I mean, a, it's Jesus style. He's good at all things, right? He's right. Not, Jesus is good at everything. He can shoot straight threes, and yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's not about to like do this amazing godly thing, and then the result is like, oh yeah, you know, it's like a bit <laughs> vinegary, like <laughs> it's, no, uh, yeah, just like obviously it's gonna be dope god wine, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he kind of did a little bit of this here with the waiter being like astounded by this wine, but something that I like that he actually consistently did that I think is like scholarship is bibliodrama. And I don't think he calls it this because this is a very Jewish word. Weirdly, it doesn't Mm -hmm. sound Jewish, but it's a tradition invented in a New York, uh, Jewish seminary school, uh, by a teacher in 1984 to help new rabbis in training to give good sermons, basically. And so the idea is that the rabbi or the activity leader or whatever reads a bit of scripture and then invites people to take on the role of a character or like act as them or speak as them. Um, And it sort of started as this like game that he played in class basically, but it's then become kind of like a formalized part of Jewish practice really. And it spread around the Hmm. Jewish world to a lot of different types of Jewish practice, like reform and Orthodox and whatever. And in my experience, the most common time for it is at Yom Kippur, which is like a holy day of atonement. And we read the story of Jonah and the whale. Uh, And there's often a bibliodrama where you'll like be Jonah uh, or you'll be the whale or God or the sea or whatever. So, yeah. And I don't know if Stuart Roberts knows about bibliodrama, but he he certainly does it and often really insightfully. Um, And so just one example, which really like stuck with me, I've been thinking about a lot, is that at some point it's implied that Joseph, who's Jesus is like, earthly dad or whatever mary's partner um uh it's sort of implied strongly that he's dead because he doesn't 
turn up to something, basically. And Stuart Robert makes the point that Jesus, as the eldest son, was probably his dad's apprentice, and he would have made the coffin that Joseph was buried in, and probably that would have been really, like, upsetting, and he would have led the prayers at the funeral, and he would have given a speech, Mm. and he would have cried, and he would have comforted his brothers, and he would have paid for it all, he would have organized the food. Like, yeah, and, like, I thought that was just a really interesting insight. And, like, the Jesus being a carpenter thing definitely uh, is an apocryphal story. Have you got up to that at all in Apocrypals? No. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to ruin it too much, but basically it's all like Joseph. Look, it's been out for about 2,000 years. Yeah, if I haven't true. read it, it's on me. It's <laughs> a great point. <laughs> Actually, well, less than 2,000 years, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good joke. Um, but... Uh, basically, the the story always goes like, Joseph was making this really important chair for lots of money, and he fucked it up real bad because he was a doofus. And he was like, oh, Jesus, how did I fuck up this chair so bad? And Jesus, like, stretches the chair so it's the right length. Wow. With his god powers. Yeah. There's a real, yeah, <laughs> there's such a a range of stuff. Like, such a wide range of stuff to which Jesus will turn his godly powers. Mm, like, mm. It, when he's in the life and death situation with Herod, he's like, no, nah, no, I am no miracles for you. Which is fair. Like, in yeah, that situation yeah. uh, where you're like... Pilate, not not Herod at the end of his life. It's Pontius Pilate, but yeah. The, no, I'm, the... uh, it's definitely Oh, does Herod. he come up against Herod? All right. Yeah, you... and I know sure. that because I have seen the best apocryphal text... Jesus Christ Superstar many times, uh-huh, uh-huh. And, cool. and it's it's a famous scene. Um, so, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then but then to be like, yeah, okay, Dad, sure, I'll fix your shoddy carpentry. Um, is pretty funny when he's like gets quite outraged when his uh, apostles like ask him to do stuff. Often, totally, he, yeah, yeah. He'll often be like, "You guys are extremely fucking tiresome," and I really wish that you were less tiresome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> often his response when they ask him to do stuff. Okay, so that's my review of the book uh, done. And so for the rest of the episode, I want to talk about my new conspiracy theory about the shadowy figures behind Jesus, which I have uh, developed entirely because of reading Stuart Roberts' book and the way that he presented the, the Gospels chronologically, basically. So you could say, in a way, that you are following in the footsteps of Stuart Robert. You could say that. I like that. Uh, Mm. I'm sure Stuart Robert would not like that, however, because uh, my theory is definitely somewhat sacrilegious. Blasphemous? Yeah, okay. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I'm not sure if it's quite blasphemous. It's it's radical materialism or something. I don't know. No, no. Uh, (laughs) It's just, like, um, not the official story and, like, yeah. So, listeners, um, if you are strongly of a particular view about the events of the Bible, then this probably won't be the same as yours. And I don't really necessarily think this is entirely true, but it's what I got out from reading the book. And so that's what I wanted to share with the audience. Um, And you can take this as speculative fiction or or whatever you like. It's like a fan theory. It's like watching one of those YouTube videos where somebody is like, actually, Captain America is Iron Man's dad. And this mm-hmm. is all the things that are in the background of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And if that you put the pieces all this. together... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, my favorite fantasy series, the third book, still isn't out. And I've already scraped the bottom of the barrel with conspiracy theories. There, so I'm going to move on to the Bible. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, unfortunately, I realized after writing the notes, it's essentially the plot of Life of Brian. So if you're finding this boring, maybe just go watch that instead and you'll get essentially the same <laughs> stuff, uh, but with maybe less uh, direct quotes. So yeah, uh, to He's start off... taken up! <laughs> oh, there he is! <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm trying hard not to descend into more quotes. Yeah, so, Zach, <laughs> do you know who you are named after? Not exactly, but it's definitely a biblical name. Yeah. So Zachariah, Z- Zachariah the Snackariah, uh, oh, was yeah. yeah he was a Jewish high priest, uh, and um, he was married to Mary's cousin. Okay, yep. And my theory is basically he set the entire thing in motion. He had this plan to set up his son and nephew to be the Messiah double act, so that they could 
uh, I'm not sure, live in luxury, or their name would go down in history, or they could take down the Roman Empire, or uh, maybe he didn't like the existing religious establishment, he wanted to get rid of that. So in which case, good job, hit every single one of those KPIs. So Lots of good reasons to, you know, have the Messiah in your family line. Totally, yeah. So uh, he was a priest, and he... um, uh, What was his actual name? Zechariah. <laughs> that's uh, that's it? Yeah, so uh, Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. So he was a Levite. Uh, I don't know if you know what that means, but uh, basically it's like the... I do not. There are 12 tribes of Israel. One of them is the Levites, and they're the, like, priest caste, basically. Um, okay. So... Uh, I think for the most part, the tribes weren't divided into castes, but the Levites who were descended from Aaron were like their special, their a special thing. Priestline. And so now yeah. if you meet a Jew called Levi or whatever, that's the same word. He's a Levite. Uh, he's descended from Aaron, uh, probably. Gotcha. Or her. Yeah. Levites in theory. All of them are descended from Aaron and probably in practice, most of them are. But anyway, um, they, uh, he was a high priest uh, and he was on duty as a priest, and he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord. So every year, once a year, uh, the high priest would all draw lots, or like, you know, pull straws, and whoever got the short straw would go into the Holy of Holies, which is the like, it's what it sounds like. Uh, (laughs) uh, And they would do the like, once a year special direct face-to-face visit with God, basically, is is what is up. Um... And so he goes in, and an angel of the Lord appears to him, and when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Uh, Your wife, Elizabeth, who's very old, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Uh, He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Blah, 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 blah. He will go on before the Lord in the... uh, he will turn the parts of parents and blah, blah, blah. He's basically saying, your son, John, will be the one who's like, that guy's the Messiah. Um, and Zechariah is like, but I'm old and my wife's old. And the angel is like, uh, look, I'm telling you, it's going to happen. But because you didn't believe me, you're going to be silent until you fulfill this prophecy and name your son, John. So, so many very vengeful, like, holy beings in these books. Like, yeah, yeah. He's like, like this wait, you said she's going to of... get pregnant? And he's like, all right, well, now you're going to be silent for nine months. How do you like that? <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, Zachariah or Snackariah finishes up the rest of his shift, but I guess because he was mute, he probably got sent home early. Ha- I had to stop recording his weekly news podcast about the happenings <laughs> in, and, in and around the Holy Jerusalem of Holies. Jerusalem 4BC. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, so... He rushes home to Elizabeth, and she gets pregnant. The Jerusalem podcast. You're welcome. Ayo. <laughs> That's a good, like, novelty podcast for us to do in the future, is, like, <laughs> the news, but in... <laughs> yes. Anyway. He rushes home to Elizabeth, she gets pregnant, and meanwhile, Mary... Uh, Angel comes to her and is like, uh, your son's gonna be the Messiah. Uh, and she's like, but I'm a virgin. Uh, and the angel's like, yeah... Well, Elizabeth's old, but she's pregnant, so there. And Mary's like, wait, Elizabeth's pregnant? And she goes on a road trip to visit Elizabeth. Uh, and she assume- doesn't get silenced. That's two questions. Yeah, it's true. Which is one more than Zachariah asked. He got the silent treatment. <laughs> yeah, for real. Well, you know, mother of Jesus gets a pass, I guess. Sure, yeah, it's fair. She's, you know, she's held in high esteem. Yeah. Uh, okay, and so... Not in the Bible, though, often. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Rarely, Jesus rarely mentioned by name. dick to her repeatedly. Such a dick to her. In that yeah. wine miracle, she's like, yes. Jesus, we're running out of wine. He's like, be God, woman. It's not fucking time for me to do my miracles yet. Uh, and then he yeah. does it anyway, begrudgingly. It is not yet, it is not yet my time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, no, my time has not yet come. Mm-hmm. It's all in Hebrew. Yeah. That's uh, English translations, but it's fine. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, Greek. One of many Hebrew, differing... Sorry, yeah. Uh, translations. English translations, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so Mary goes on a road trip to visit Elizabeth, and as soon as she walks in the room, Elizabeth is like, whoa there, my baby in my womb just said that your baby gonna be Messiah. Um, 
And so Mary hangs a while and mysteriously gets pregnant in this house that the only people are Elizabeth and Zachariah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so Don't Zachari- note my lack of comment. Yes. I will not fill in those gaps. Uh, uh, Zachariah is, uh, you know, has this whole plan. Um, and according she gets pregnant, to you. According to me, yeah. Uh, and he's got his wife in on the plan so that when Mary comes in, she's like, whoa there. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. And then Mary goes back to Joseph and she's and he's like, uh, you got pregnant, I thought we were going to get married. And she was like, yeah, but it was God, so it's fine. And he's like, I'm going to divorce you. Wait. No. Uh, so they don't get divorced. <laughs> yep, so cool. And so then Joseph, uh, like the Bible version is that he gets visited by an angel who tells him not to divorce her. Okay, so uh, they're both born. Uh, Zachariah names his son John and he stops being mute. Great. And um, John grows up in the house of Zachariah and Elizabeth, basically being told he is the prophet Elijah, come back to foretell the arrival of the Messiah, which is going to be his cousin Jesus, who... He presumably sees fairly regularly at bar mitzvahs and Passover and so on, which again is some nice bibliodrama that I got from Stuart Robert. He's like, they would have hung out all the time and they would have been best buds and they would have seen each other at family gatherings and caught up all the time. He used the phrase hung out repeatedly. (laughs) I mean, maybe. What? Maybe. He's feeling it. I got a lot of cousins I don't see. That's true. Um, things, yeah. Things, so, well, know, he he makes a live in a different time. He he makes a point based in the uh, uh, geography, politics, people, power, culture, and history of the day that um, <laughs> like Jews would have all had to go to Jerusalem with their families regularly, and there would have been like weddings. Uh, yeah, and it would have been tight. Sure, sure. And it would have been like his cousin who he hung out with, and like Elizabeth and Mary were friends, and whatever. Yeah. So you think okay. it's a relatively credible piece of bibliodrama? I do. I do. Yes. Okay. And so, skip forward 30 years, time goes silent, and then it stops being silent roughly at (laughs) the age of 30 for both of them. Uh, uh, John is, uh, like, about a year older than Jesus. Um, And it seems like John really got Messiah-pilled, and significantly more than Jesus. And uh, my guess is that Mary and Joseph kind of forgot about it and got on with their life for 31-odd years, while Elizabeth and Zechariah the Snackariah are super intense with John all the time, being like, bro, you're like Messiah part one, Jesus Messiah part two, you gotta do a thing for him. And then uh, uh, Elizabeth pressure. and Zechariah are both quite old, so I imagine they die fairly soon, and John is kind of like somewhat on his own. And it seems that it took him pretty hard because the next thing that we hear about him at age roughly 31 is that he's a wild preacher who spends all of his time out in the desert eating locusts and baptizing people. And interestingly, this is the entire story behind baptisms. It's just like John, it's his thing. John the Baptist. Right. Johnny Bapto, as he is referred to in Apocrypals, which I can't not call him... (laughs) even though it's entirely their bit, and I feel bad for stealing it so directly. But yeah. Uh, like, you know, what is this episode, really? That's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Lean John, in. his whole thing is like, he baptizes people in the water and says that he is just kind of like filling in time for when the guy who will baptize people in fire and the Holy Spirit come. And that, that's his tagline is, I baptize you in water, He'll baptize you in fire and the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's his like tagline for his like roving preacher business. Interesting. It's a it's a nice little piece of like drama for mm. your religious show that you're taking on the road, getting again, people involved in stuff. This is another thing, and obviously because it's stuck around. Right, right. This is something Apocrypals picks up on regularly is prophets as performance artists, basically. Yeah, uh, and there's a lot of that, and like I think that applies to Jesus as well um i think you can look at a lot of contemporary preachers as well and mm. understand that lots of contemporary religious tradition has uh, plenty to do with performance true like um, even like snake know. handling or yeah or, or, or like gospel for example you know true, like, that's an interesting point you know, yeah yeah 
it's about getting people engaged uh, mm-hmm. with the stories and, uh, yeah, getting people emotionally invested Thrill. in the moment. Yeah, that's a good point. And, like, yeah, I, I guess baptisms weirdly made a lot more sense to me as a Jew after watching Game of Thrones uh of the like <laughs> yeah. born in salt or whatever or what i can't remember what it is what is what is dead will never die the like iron uh, islands get like dunked in water and half right. drowned uh yeah. and like i think that's probably more like what these baptisms would have been it was like this is the beginning of the rest of your life kind of thing and like uh anyway yeah so i i imagine them as being relatively brutal and intense not like the sprinkle of water on the baby that we now know and yeah yeah. i think a lot of religious tradition has followed that uh general tendency (laughs) i mean people were (laughs) yes yep all right so uh like wafers and cordial for example totally yeah uh which i will again get to that uh at the end at the relevant time but yeah uh so i want to get through this because we're we're at time but i yeah i want to get through the rest of my theory jesus as i say i my reading is he's less keen on this whole like birthright than john is john is fully in jesus is kind of reluctant and the 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 story in the gospels is like jesus walks past where john is practicing and john's like hey everyone that's it's gonna be him just letting you know that's gonna be the messiah <laughs> and jesus is like uh nah. just is doing that that uh oh, jonah hill gif yeah like, like the like cut it cut it off cutting it yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah and then one time he's like all right all right all right yeah i guess i've like done all the other shit i want to do i guess i'll be a fucking messiah and so john baptizes him and the sky opens and God reaches down and like does a shucker and is like it's my boy <laughs> um and then there's a montage That's directly from the text he literally says, that's my boy. <laughs> uh, but the shuck is, is my own invention. Yeah. Uh, well, like he says, that's my son. But, you know, again, it's in Greek. Uh, um, <laughs> so then there's a montage of him collecting disciples. Um, and I love homoerotic Bible readings. Uh, and that is ba- like, that's basically the whole reading that you need there. It's all gay. Jesus is very gay. This is, uh, again, probably quite sacrilegious for some people and for other people very welcome and uh, acknowledged. But yeah, he basically keeps walking past buff tradies and being like, hey, cutie, you want to come get uh, filled with the spirit of the Lord? Um, and like, yeah, he just goes up to some like uh, fisherman. He's like, hey, come with me. And they're like, all right. And then they I'm spend going- like an afternoon in his room. And then they go. Uh, one of them goes and gets his younger brother, Simon, uh, who then gets nicknamed Peter. Uh, have you got up to that? Simon the Rock Peter? Simon the Rock Peter, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as far as the homoerotic stuff in the Bible, um, I think it's an interesting... Like, I, I think that a lot of the conversation about it sort of has this very contemporary understand, Like, tries to apply sure. this very contemporary understanding of sexuality mm, and, mm. like, physical contact and what phys- what amount of, like sensual contact with another person is like appropriate or like makes you gay sure, um sure. because there is like a lot of stuff like within the text about jesus having disciples who like lie sit on his lap and mm, put their heads or, on his chest yeah, yeah, yeah. and like <clears throat> he's clear like he clearly has this very comfortable physicality with mm, him and then mm. yeah then there's argument over like whether or not like he had like sexual relationships with any of these men totally. but i think like I think probably realistically, the answer is much less clear cut than any of that. Absolutely, um, and as with all readings, and like this reading that I'm giving generally, it's like I've decided what I'm going to see in the text to some extent. And with homoerotic yeah. readings, it's the same. It's like yeah, and, it's and there like if you, it, you can interpret it that way if you want to. Totally, but I remember yeah. I, this. I think was a big part of the reason that I did so badly at the end of high school was that the idea of reading seemed really wrong to me, and I was like, no, there's just the text. And then, <laughs> like by the time I got to uni, I was like, sure, you can read things how you want. Yeah, uh, uh, and yeah, I think you're right. There's there's definitely arguments, like serious arguments, both in favor and against him being like a homosexual or whatever. And I don't really care about that as you like 
maybe or maybe not it doesn't necessarily matter all that much and it's interesting to read into it or not as you like well yeah uh, i think a lot well a lot of the interpretation is like he's he's hugging a man here and the right, man is resting right, right. his head on his chest that obviously means he's gay and it's like that honestly doesn't seem like a particularly strong argument to me as okay. a straight man who enjoys hugging my male friends but yeah. on the other hand like why that that it very well could connote a physical closeness that mm, comes from mm. having a sexual relationship and like ideas around sexuality were very different back totally, then totally totally and yeah. i reckon that that you know in terms of customs in terms of even today like we here in australia or at least, you know in white australia has a very like we've got a we've got a very toxic masculine heteronormative mm. understanding of what it means mm. to be a man where like gently or caringly touching another man is like oh that's that's gay shit yeah but like places where those sort of where that isn't the custom like you know you could be (laughs) you can you can be caring and physically you can be physically caring for your dude friends and it's like nbd but that's not to say that Mm. that like you know i think that the the readings of homoeroticism are probably like as valid as any legitimate other or yeah well exactly yeah, yeah yeah i'm not i'm not taking one view or the other i just think uh, sure, yeah, when i yeah. when i've heard people discuss the does discuss that discourse i haven't heard anybody point out what i just did hmm. which is yep, that there's correct. like people looking at it from a kind of rigid perspective mm-hmm. anyway so anyway um uh there's some hilarious cold reads at the start of like jesus ministry when he's just kind of getting started <laughs> yeah. and so there's a bit where he goes into like Hicktown, and again, this was some nice insight from Stuart Robert about Samaria and like, you know, the good Samaritan. So they were kind of like the, uh, yeah, the like the Hicks of the Israelite world, basically. And they were kind of like a separate religion slash ethnic group, but also the Jews proper, like the Judeans had a bunch of negative stereotypes about them, basically. And so he goes into Samaria, and he goes up to some lady and is like, hey, uh, I bet you sleep around a lot, right? And she's like, oh, how did you know that? You must be the Messiah. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I feel like this was definitely... (laughs) Yeah. uh, Definitely written by someone later being like, oh, yeah, Samaritans cold reading. (laughs) It's like, ah... You know what they're like. (laughs) You know what they're like. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so he gets his crew, Greasy Josh and the Oily Boys, as the famous Tumblr meme has it. They go to the temple in Jerusalem, smash some shit up. Uh, cut to three years later, they've been doing rebellious performance art for a few years, and Jesus decides it's time to martyr himself, which seems like good performance art slash activism to me. Um, and <laughs> shout-outs to my mum's favourite uh, biblical theory, which is that Judas was actually Jesus' best friend and that Jesus made him do it. Uh, and that he's been unfairly maligned and that that was actually like his true sacrifice was not only killing his friend, but then uh, being like damned not in Not actually history. wanting to. Well, yeah, well yeah. then, yeah. Copying yeah. the... Yeah, no, totally. And that, uh, I, I, that's kind of the interpret... Well, not exactly, but it's sort of the interpretation of Jesus Christ Superstar, which... right. Again, I, I love, but it, like, but it, yeah, yeah. I mean, he kind of like, you know, like they they clearly love each other a lot, uh, Jesus and Judas, uh, mm. and but Judas kind of feels at at the end that like, you know, he's just been used by God for this purpose, and that he's been like, impl- he's been made complicit in his friend's death when he didn't want to be mm, and mm. like you know like he's been you know everything is god's will he's been put in a situation where he was made to be the betrayer that's like a really interesting psychological story to tell totally uh, i think there's a lot of really like the you know the, it's a really good there's lots of really good stories in there yeah. yeah yeah and like i can totally imagine this like the scene at the last supper where Jesus has this plan. He's told, like, maybe his three closest inner circle dudes. I don't know who they are, but, like, Judas and two others. And he's like... Well, he's Peter. Peter's the younger brother who seems to be generally a nuisance who doesn't get stuff. And then later on was like, hey, I was Jesus' best bud. Um, (laughs) Yeah, there's a a lot of making fun of uh, Simon the Rock, Peter, and Apocrypals. And they have a theory he's 14, and 
doesn't understand metaphors because constantly throughout the Bible, Jesus will be like, consider the lily in the field or whatever. And Simon will be like, sorry, what? And Jesus will be like, oh, the rock. Why don't you ever understand my parables? Sorry, and the, uh, Which their... lily specifically? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This field? <laughs> the, I can't see any birds here. Yeah. Uh, and, and the additional joke is that he's the rock because he's as thick as a rock. Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, <clears throat> Simon the Rock. Back Peter. to the theory. Back to the theory. Uh, yeah, Judas. Whatever. Uh, we basically covered that. I've got a Bible quote. Doesn't really matter. You can look it up or in uh, Stuart Roberts' book. Uh, yeah. And he says, and then uh, the bit with Peter uh, at the Last uh, Supper. He either tells Peter to lie to the cops, or he says that Peter will lie to the cops when he talks to them. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, Peter says to him, even if they all fall away, I will not. Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth. Today, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I must die with you, I will never deny you. And then all of them said the same thing. Uh, but then he, like, gets up against some Romans and they're like, hey, are you one of his disciples? And he's like, no, no. Yeah. And so either this was Jesus being like, look, Simon, don't play ballsy. We all know you're going to fucking like bail because <laughs> it's scary cause when the pigs come or he's being like bro you're 14 i don't want you to get crucified just say that you don't know me deny me three times uh so who I knows don't. don't talk to cops or you're gonna be afraid of cops anyway so and then all of his homies are sad that he's gonna die because at the last supper he's like i'm gonna die and they're like don't say that dude that sucks. Um, and so I he... called it the Last Supper for a reason, guys. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how this is surprising to you. Uh, and so he comes up with this idea to like take the sting out a little bit. And he's like, okay, I'll tell you what. Every time you eat bread, every time you eat wine, think about me. We'll be together. I'll be inside you. I'll be with you. It'll be fine. And also, I'm literally made of bread. <laughs> and my blood is literally no, no, no. wine. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, transubstantiation, Zach. They become the substance of the body after they've been consumed. That's the oh. official Catholic line. His bread isn't. His body isn't bread. The bread becomes his body after you've partially ingested it. I think both are true. He, at the time when he was alive, was literally bread and wine, and uh -huh. now transubstantiation also happens <laughs> okay yeah yeah i like that theory yeah okay anyway uh then he gets crucified but 300 years later roman empires falls apart job done um zachariah the zachariah wins uh, the roman empire uh, assuming that's what he was going for yeah he might have also been like not keen on his job and like mad at the levites and whatever and was like fuck them up but hey he did that too so you know right. good effort so let me see if i can summarize your your, your kind of, it's less like it's less a theory and more like one, what I was saying before, one of these fan videos. Yeah, where, yeah. Where it's, you know what it really reminds me of is in Spaced when Tim shows Brian the st original Star Wars trilogy mm -hmm. and they finish watching it and then he's like, did you know that all of the events that happen throughout all of Star Wars can be attributed to one minor character? And Brian's like, who? And it's like the gunner at the on the Death Star at the beginning of the first movie who doesn't shoot the pod that C-3PO and R2-D2 are in. Right, Because right. if he blew them up, they would have never met Luke. Luke never would have, would have met Obi-Wan. Totally. None of it would have happened. And then Brian is like, oh, chaos theory. Um, it's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a really good scene. But basically what you're saying, it's, it's, it's less, it's more just interpretation of like, Zachariah is actually the domino that starts off everything important in the gospels totally yeah and he's he's the gunner on the death star at the beginning of a new exactly hunt. exactly yeah that's the perfect analogy you're exactly right and it's i think part of the reason i wanted to tell this story on the show is that it's literally entirely because Stuart robert rearranged the events of the gospels chronologically that i saw that that happened at the start of the story. <laughs> like, if I had sat down and read the Gospels, I think there would be a 0% chance of me coming up with this. Yeah, because uh, you're in, like, the second or third Gospel, and then halfway through, there's a flashback where Zachariah is mentioned twice. Exactly. And, and then and you're, you, like, you, oh, you're straight on to some other shit. Mute, sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then there's, like, 
17 verses about fish or whatever. Right, right. And, and, and Zachariah sort of falls by the wayside. But yeah, no, now that Stuart has laid it out end to end, uh, what's it, it all becomes crystal clear. I can see clearly now. The rain has it's chronological. Gone. Yeah. <laughs> I've got Which, all now the that I'm thinking, is that in a row. Surely that's a, a Christian song. That must be a Christian song. Uh, we should wrap up, but on that note, I've always wanted to do a cover album of me doing songs called Jesus and Monogamy about Jesus and monogamy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, yeah. I have to get good at singing and playing guitar first. But, uh, mm. Big Rock Candy Mountain, that's a song about Jesus. <sighs> yeah. Which is, I look, I, and I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there who enjoy the fact that it's secretly a Christian song, but mm. I mean, and probably less secretly at the time than now. Mm. But I think uh, interpreting it literally is well. That's I get a lot of joy from interpreting it's it literally. I mean, that's just ho- what a hobo, hobo dreams about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Then they're, they're, they're not too far away. My favorite secret Christian band is POD. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I I feel so alive for the very first time. I can't deny you. <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah alright yeah. well I think we should really probably slaps. wrap up there um, <laughs> we're, no, no 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 I don't mean to be shady it's just we're like I'm aware I've been talking no, no, for like an hour and a half it's long it's, it's, we have yeah. been yeah and look <laughs> I really hope that um, you know if you are a person of faith that we haven't offended you too much because that's what really honestly not what we were trying to do yeah yeah um, I, there were a couple of edgy thoughts that I had, so I'm it sorry was, if look, they were too edgy for you, listener. But uh, there's, some, there's some edginess in there, yeah. Um, but you know, we do have the potluck segment where you can call in and flame us, mm. uh, and uh, you know, or you can just flame us on Twitter as well, yep. or Facebook, or Instagram. Or the best way to flame us would definitely be to pay us as little as one US dollar a month over on Patreon, um, and then where... slide into our Discord. Which, yeah, exactly. which you get access to after after signing up on Patreon. That's right, uh, and you help us produce, you know, <laughs> shit like this. Um, <laughs> so, so if this is what you wanted, you're welcome. And if it's not, then we promise we're back to our regular programming next week. It'll be news, current events, main news. You know, it's going to yeah. be as dense a news week as if it was four BC. <laughs> um, it's going to be as much news as an episode of the Jerusalem podcast. <laughs> Uh, uh, $200 in our Patreon and we'll, uh, sorry, yeah, 200 patrons and we, we will make the, <laughs> we'll ju- do an episode Genusalem. of the Jerusalem yeah. pod- podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, I think that probably brings us to the end of the episode. Um, yeah. Thank you so much to all of our patrons who supported us to do this ridiculous thing. Uh, you know, I mean, they supported us to do our regular show for the most yeah. part, but and we've help- done this. thank you, yeah, but also for helping <laughs> us do this as well. Yes. Um, if you, uh, like what we do and you want to support us, but you can't or don't want to do it financially, a review really helps over Mm -hmm. on Apple podcast is usually the best place to do that. Or, uh, if you've got some kind of skill, you want to support us in kind, reach out to us. Uh, you can email us at contact at ospulsenackpod.com or you can DM us, you know, on On Twitter, Insta or Facey. Yeah. Um, otherwise... Thank you very much, Noon, for taking us through the footsteps of Stuart Roberts in the footsteps of Jesus. Mm. From Thank the perspective you for sitting of... through it, Zach. My pleasure. Um, and uh, thank you for this new uh, biblical interpretation that uh, places Zachariah or Snackariah at the center of everything, as I knew he would be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As I, you know, I'm not surprised. No. I'm not surprised. Um. But in the meantime, uh, thank you very much for tuning in, everybody. And we'll catch you next week. And also, keep on snacking in the free world. Keep on snacking in the, the Holy Land.